0: Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter number four, Philippians chapter number four. I'm thankful for another Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, We don't have any guarantees of tomorrow, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here again and uh, thankful for my family and uh, they're here with me today. And it's a blessing to have a wonderful family and uh, then to be with a church family that I so love and appreciate as well. And uh, thanksgiving is a definite biblical principle. Giving thanks, being thankful, giving thanksgiving. Uh, the word, those words, thank, thanks, thanksgiving, and thankful occur over 176 times in Scripture. So it's not a minor thing either. It's mentioned numerous times. The word thanksgiving itself means the act of giving thanks, grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors, especially to God. Now, I mean, we need to be thankful for those who provide for us, right? Uh, but we need to give thanks specifically, especially to God for all that he's done. The history of Thanksgiving in Canada uh, started really the official day in November the 6th, 1879. That's when we started having a day. That day moved around uh, at first, but that was when it was started officially. Now, before European settlers came to North America... Uh, it is recorded that Indian people had fall festivals and, and things of that nature, but it was really European settlers who came to have and establish a Thanksgiving Day. The very first one was in 1578 when Mr. Forbisher and his crew uh, were able to get out of the Arctic, and they were very thankful for that, and they had a big meal. That was the very first Thanksgiving in North America, then followed in 1606, uh, by inhabitants of New France, by Samuel de Chaplain in uh, 1606, they started having Thanksgiving as well. And uh, the traditional Thanksgiving meal, you know, the turkey and things of that nature. I, I never grew up with squash, but apparently it was something It is something that you have with turkey dinner, uh, and uh, then pumpkin pies and things. All those things we need to give credit to our good friends in Nova Scotia. Okay, that's where that all started, and then it spread across Canada. And I tip my hat to Nova Scotians, thank you for that wonderful tradition of Turkey. Uh, and uh, so then in 1957, uh, that's when the government proclaimed it to be the second uh, Monday of October. Up until then, it would move around different dates, but then they put it in as proclamation on that day. And now as we were leading up to this Sunday, I was thinking a lot about uh, what I have to give thanks to the Lord for. And the reality is we could spend all day today and all day tomorrow talking about all the things that God's done for me. Uh, so I had to narrow down the list a little bit because you wouldn't be happy to be here that long. Uh, so at any rate, I, I was really thinking about it. And uh, the reality is Thanksgiving, there's an act of giving thanks, isn't it? I mean, you can be thankful in your heart, but you're not really giving thanks until you tell the person, until you testify that person or you, it's an act. Thanksgiving doesn't happen without an act. And so today I want to, I want to have an act of thanksgiving to God and it includes you as well. You know, I certainly hope as you cook your feast for your family today or tomorrow, as you cook it or you take a moment to pause between, uh, you know, getting that turkey in the oven and getting the veggies ready or whatever the case is, you stop and think, what has God done for me? And if you don't have a list, I'm going to help you with a little bit of it in a moment. Uh, But give thanks. And maybe even ask those close to you. What are you thankful for? Hey, I know this year Thanksgiving is much different than usual. We won't have all the people around as much or a smaller crowd at least. Uh, You know, maybe phone somebody and say, hey, what are you thankful for? Uh, It's a good thing to ask. So Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the health and strength to be here today and for each one who is here. Lord, I pray that as we come, that our hearts would be in tune in a grateful spirit and attitude. You are a great God, and you have blessed us with blessings far beyond that so often we take for granted. And Lord, help us to be a thankful people. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this portion of Scripture, Paul is addressing the church in Philippi. He instructs them about rejoicing and to rejoice in the Lord. He speaks to them about prayer, and that's what's mentioned there in verse number 6. And in, and uh, he t- tells them about having the right kind of thought life, verse number 8. If there's not a great verse for us to ponder and think about this Thanksgiving, that's a great one right there, because there's not a whole lot of things that are pure and honest and lovely and good report on our social media and, and news programs right now. And we need to be looking at those things and pondering them in our heart. Uh, Paul's instructions is a wonderful thing for us. It just wasn't for that church in Philippi. It's for everybody, for all Christians. Another great verse is Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now this morning, I want to rejoice and give God the glory. Give God the glory. There's much to lift his name about. I'm going to mention blessings in my life, and I'm sure there might be some correlation with you, and maybe the Lord will spur some other things in your mind. I really want you to worship the Lord today when Thanksgiving. Give Him the praise. Give Him the glory. I thought about the Lord's goodness and mercy to me in a home. In a home. I was born and raised in Newfoundland, Canada, and growing up, my dad used to build wharfs and do dredging. And I lived in little towns called uh, Fox Island River and Trout River and port a uh, as a little fella. I, I remember living there and the water and things and running in the fields. Uh, and uh, then as my dad got out of that and into a more stable job in the sense of not moving around in St. John's area, uh, I lived in around there and I'm thankful for growing up in a Christian home. That's a blessing, amazing blessing. And this verse was across the door of my home growing up since I can remember. Joshua twenty four fifteen. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods of your uh which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every day I walked out of my parents' home, that sign was there. That scripture verse. And my parents did their very best to live up to that that live for the Lord and have a home where the Lord was glorified and that we serve the Lord. I went out to Bible College uh, in Ajax for five years. and then We got married, moved to Newfoundland. We lived most of that time in the western Newfoundland, uh, about eight, eight, nine years, and then hard to believe ten years ago, we moved to the Peel region. And uh, there's all kinds of pros and cons everywhere you live, isn't there? I mean, there's no doubt I miss the quiet of the Cove growing up. But then there's things here that are great advantages for my family, too. So there's all the pros and cons out there. Uh, But the reality is we live in a safe place. You know, I have not any worry about being safe. I've lived a good life Uh, and there's so many services available. I praise his name that I've always had a roof over my head. I I never spent one night unless it was on purpose in a tent uh, that I did not have a real roof over my head, you know. The Lord has blessed, and I've always had groceries in my house. Uh, There's always been food. Uh, I can remember when I was a kid, I mean, I guess it was in my teenage years, uh, the government of Newfoundland announced with the federal government that the cod fishery was closing down. Uh, I'm telling you right now, that was very desperate times for so many people. It was very gloomy it was very downcast. It seemed like there was a fog all the time and drizzle, drizzle and rain all the time. But you know, I never went out with a meal. I always had enough. Uh, I always had clothes on my back. Kind of reminds me of Psalm thirty-seven 25. I've been young and now I'm old, yet have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed baking bread. I, 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 I ate a lot of Newfie steak growing up. You know what Newfie steak is? That's bologna. All right. Ate lots of that. Fried is the best way to have Newfie steak. I'm going to tell you right now. But at any rate, we we, we ate. We had enough. Uh, Now, we've lived in a few homes that weren't the greatest. And sometimes the pantry was not as full as our North American mindset thinks it needs to be. Probably the worst place I lived uh, being married was in a little trailer in Aaron. Uh, That was bad. All the doors wouldn't close. we just moved from Newfoundland. We were waiting for a house to sell out there, and we couldn't buy a house here and have a house there, and uh, we rented this little tiny trailer, uh, and uh, we lived there from July till November. We had no AC when we first showed up, but one of the members of our church was very gracious to give us an AC unit to keep us cool in the the little living room, and I think we lived there most of the summer because it's the only place that was cool. Uh, but so many doors didn't close, and come November, it was freezing. And we couldn't keep the place warm. There was all kinds of other pla- things wrong. Uh, it, was, it was no five-star resort, I assure you that. But it was a five-star resort compared to the ruined homes I saw in Romania. Little kids come running out of there with soot on their faces. Yeah, It was great. I had running water. I had a stove. I had all the necessities of life. Now, I hope I'll never forget that day when I saw those kids coming out of that little... They didn't even have a roof, a full roof and some of the walls were knocked down on the exterior walls. And these little kids come flying out of that house. And I didn't have them boxes to give them or anything. You know what I was doing? I was making them ballooners. Giving them little balloons of animals or As the little boys would say, Sabars, they wanted swords. Yeah, we got it so good, folks. So good. I recently read a letter from one of our missionaries in a restricted country, and he spoke about having to wait in line all day for one bag of rice. One bag of rice. That's all that he could get was one bag of rice. Everything was being rationed with what's going on in the world right now. Everything's being rationed. I mean, I have... I think all of us have waited a lot longer in lines at the grocery stores than we ever thought we would. Uh, you know, but have we waited all day for one item? No. Maybe there's so much. We live in a land of plenty. And praise the Lord for that bounty. Uh, I'm saying for the country I call home. Uh, Psalm seventy-two-eight says, He shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. That's the verse that the fathers of our confederation used For the dominion of Canada, that's what it was called. The dominion, going right hand in hand with that verse. Now I know in our current day, we don't see a whole lot of uh, encouragement for Christianity, but I'm so thankful Christianity made its impact in Canada and I hope we can see it again. I hope we can see it again. I've had the, the privilege to travel through numerous countries in Europe and extensively in the United States and, you know, often the United States was for vacation. And uh, I can remember coming back uh, every time and the land crossing, you know, uh, you go to the land crossing, go to the United States. You're like, I don't know if they're going to let me in. Not because I'm bad, but they can say no. So I don't, I don't have a right to be in the United States. But that Canadian border officer is not going to not let me in. I have a passport. I'm Canadian, bub. I'm getting in. You know, this is home. And I can think of times uh, coming into Pearson and the uh, arrival hall, there's this massive Canadian flag and welcome to Canada. And so many times I've walked off the plane, walked into that reception area. I'm like, ah, oh, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. Just like you do when you come back from a trip, so maybe in town or whatever. You come through your door and you close the door and you throw your shoes off in the corner. and You flop on your couch like, ah, oh, it's good to be home. I'm so thankful for the home and the prosperity God has given us here in this country and the uh, Christian heritage that we have in this country. You know, the vast amounts of people in our world would be shocked to see what we have access to every day. Would be shocked that we have this all the time and we need to give God the glory and honor for it. I'm so thankful for my job. About 22 years ago, while I was in Bible college, I surrendered to whatever the Lord would have me to do. I really thought I would be involved with missions, to be quite honest with you. I was willing to go anywhere. And I remember praying about three specific places, going to China, El Salvador, or eastern Canada. That's where I was praying about, particularly Newfoundland. And the Lord directed me to start a church in Newfoundland and, and pastor it and shepherd his flock. Jeremiah 3, verse 15 says... I'll give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with the knowledge and understanding. That's always been the desire of my heart to be one of those pastors. First Peter 5, verse 1 says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. According to Scriptures, as a pastor, as a shepherd, I have a duty to feed the flock of God. Now, let me just back up. I used the word job. It's it's more than the job. It's more than a career. It's more than a profession. It's a calling. Okay, I absolutely said calling, but you have jobs, too. And I want you to think about your jobs right now and give God the glory for that. I believe in this day I need to be caring and compassionate, just not in this day, but every day as a pastor, watching out for error, watching out for things that might occur in the church that could hurt the church. I have to say that at times in this calling, it's very trying. There's times when I have been trying to reach the lost and and help people come to know Christ and the message is neglected or it's criticized or it's put underfoot as such. and, uh, And my heart's desire is to see people come to Christ. I can give a testimony of my own how the Lord has changed my life and I want that to happen to other people. There's times when one of the flock get off into something that they shouldn't and you try to aid and they don't appreciate it. You know that that path, as a pastor, I know as that that path, it will hurt them, and you desire to help them to, to come back, and they certainly don't like to be that, be told that, even though it's out of the heart of love and compassion, and they get upset. I've had a few people. I mean, I'm I'm a super nice guy, but they get upset. There's times when people have walked away from church, sometimes in very nasty fashion. Sometimes I never hear from them again. And I haven't done anything wrong. Something else is a problem. Those events, I'm going to be really honest, this is a moment of uh, transparency, they hurt as a pastor. It hurts the pastor, the shepherd's heart, to see the sheep going away from the Lord, going away from what is true. Those days hurt. And I I pray for those individuals. I want them uh, to come back to the Lord. And pasturing during a pandemic has not been sugar and spice and all that's nice. <laughs> I can tell you right now, uh, shepherding cannot, done, cannot be done remotely. There's no way. I mean, you look at you, you watch a program about sh- a sheep and the shepherd. The shepherd doesn't stay up in the house and use Zoom. I mean, we do. I understand we have to do what we do, but he doesn't use Zoom to tell the sheep to stay out of the pit, right? Hey, hey, Fred, stay out of there. You know. You know, he has to be there to help the sheep. And so it's, it's not done remotely, and, and shepherding is personal. It's uh, hands on as such. And, uh, and, you know, I try to find ways to connect with people that I can't do because of what's going on. I try to find ways that I can touch your life and encourage you along the way, along the path. Yeah, I know some folks are hurting. They're hurting because of this isolation. You know, it's hard times. I get it. I'm, I'm not going to make light of it one bit. It's hard on the mind. You can't be with people. Uh, hey, can't, I, I'll be honest. I can't wait to hug people again. I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I miss that, that. Because God's made us wired us that way. And, and some people are having a harder time with others, uh, fo- facing emotional roller coasters. Uh, I think of folks who... Are in restaurant business and things. All oh, my heart goes out to you. How I mean, how how can you do it? And uh, I mean, I grew up in a home where my dad was a business owner, and I knew what it was like to say. You know, I didn't face it, my dad did, but that that doesn't have, That doesn't leave your mind when you clock out at five o'clock and go home. It stays on your mind, and all night, and the next day you go back to work again. It, it's tough. My heart goes out to you. I want to encourage you with this because this has been encouragement to me. The Lord knows, and the Lord was not surprised by coronavirus. So the Lord had me to be the pastor of Legacy Baptist Church right now on purpose. He knew he did it for a purpose. He has you wherever you are, wherever you might be online and in your life. He's done it for a purpose. You can trust him. I'm not saying it's it's going to make it all nice today and all the bills will disappear. No, I'm not saying that. But what I can give you encouragement with is the Lord knows. And he cares. And, uh, you know, there's times, though, in pastoring, it's very, very, very encouraging. I'll give you some examples. Just like there's times I witness someone and they don't come to Christ. There's times when I witness to someone, I witness to someone, and they get saved, they phone me, and I just about blow the earphones off the phone, like, woo-hoo! Praise the Lord! I'm joining with the angels in heaven. You know, there's other times when... I've received emails from someone who's gone into some things they shouldn't and gotten to bad spots and they, they text me or email me and say, Pastor, I know I shouldn't have done this. This is, you know, I, I got myself in a mess here. I, I, I want to let you know that I'm, I'm coming back like the prodigal son as such. I'm getting things right. You don't know how quickly I'm like, boom, 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 send the message back or phone. them. like, praise so the Lord. I'm here to help you. Whatever we can do. There's other times when that person who's left in a nasty way or I never hear from them, they pick up the phone and say, Hey, I want to get things right. I'm going to let you know, in those occasions, every pastor does a little happy dance, okay? There's a little happy dance that happens in the pastor's office or in the grocery store when he gets that phone call, wherever he is, all right? Because they're, they're doing right! That's encouraging! That's what it's about! And as a pastor, that, that, that's part of my calling is, to help those people to get to those places. And you know, I'll be honest, folks, I'm very thankful. And I'm very humbled to be the pastor of Legacy Baptist Church. And I'm so thankful for it. I don't take it for granted. I mean, sometimes I probably do, just like everybody of us, we take things for granted. But I'm so thankful. Maybe this week you could tell your boss you're thankful that you have a job there. It'd probably give him a heart attack. You might get a promotion. Uh, <laughs> that's a bad joke i know i know but anyway, but the reality is you should thank those around you amen you should you should thank your boss you should thank those who employ you uh that you have a job and i, I won't be surprised that they will be extremely surprised to hear that because they probably don't hear it you know tell them be thankful for what the lord has done uh, another area that i thought about you know so in my my home my my family my country and and then my calling I thought about my spiritual life. How about my spiritual life this week? You know, last Sunday morning I gave you a testimony of, I gave you my testimony of how I came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. That was the greatest decision I ever made in my life. And according to that scripture, when I accepted Christ, it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 17: therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So. At the moment of accepting Christ as Savior, I became a new creature in Christ. And I thought about that, and I I was thinking about how the Lord has changed my life. It's a good thing for you to do that, to stop and think and give God the praise and glory and thanks for what He's done in your life. And I thought about some of the massive effects of salvation in my life, and I thought about one. I actually thought about two, but this one here I, I noticed right away. Before I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior... I had a horrible temper. I was a very angry individual. You might like say, "That's we don't see you like that, Pastor. There's no way you could be like that. I was. I, my, my anger, my temper controlled me. I did not control it. It controlled me. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was consumed by it. And unfortunately, because of that anger and because of that temper, I made some bad decisions. I hurt some people. And, uh, that was before salvation, and when I got saved the Lord helped me to get me in the right place. Colossians chapter three verse eight But now ye also put off these things anger, wrath, malice, blaspheme, uh, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The Lord helped me in great ways with my temper, with my anger. Do I still get upset? Yes, I still always have to watch it. I'm no no different than anybody else in this room. But the Lord helped me so much, and I sought forgiveness for those I hurt with my anger, my temper, and got things right with the Lord, and the Lord has been gracious. He's given me mercy to help me control it through His Holy Spirit. You know, it's a wonderful thing that, you know, sometimes uh, people say, well, what have you seen the Lord do in your life that you can see as an evidence of salvation? That's it right there for me, besides others. But that's definitely one. Now, I mean, I was controlled by it, but no longer. The Lord, I mean, that, I have to watch it. Every day I have to watch it. But the Lord has given me the victory, and I'm so thankful for that. And as the that, so that's uh, once right at the moment of salvation, the Lord still helped me with that. And then when the Lord called me into the ministry... He certainly helped me in so many ways, but I thought about one way in particular, and that was in compassion. 1 Peter 3.8, Finally be of one mind, having compassion one another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Now the word compassion in this portion of Scripture means to have mercy on, to help one afflicted or seeking aid, to help the afflicted, to bring help to the wretched, to experience Mercy. Now we all love mercy when we desperately need it, don't we? But sometimes we have a hard time in giving mercy. Because we're quicker to be on the angry side, right? We're quicker to say, oh, I'll bring that hammer down on you. Blah 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 blah. You know, it's easy to get that, that self-righteous indignation going. Mercy. Jude 1. there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 22, and some have compassion, making a difference. You know, on Saturday mornings and Facebook devotions, I've been going through examining the lives of the disciples, men who were greatly used by the Lord uh, to start the church. And a few weeks ago, we looked at John. We looked at John and we saw that he had a great love for truth, which is wonderful. He loved truth. But sometimes that love for truth, when it's not tempered with love, can ha- cause a whole lot of problems. And I was struck as I studied out uh, John, how important it is to love the truth and have compassion. They go, should go hand in hand. That's what it should be like. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. We all have to be careful with knowledge. Now, we need to pursue knowledge. We need to know knowledge. We need to go after it. But I think we've all experienced that when we have some knowledge, we're like, yep, I know stuff. You don't know. I know. We probably have experienced it, and maybe sometimes we have been the one doing it. I have the knowledge. And in the ministry, uh, that's not a. I mean, you need to love the truth, absolutely, but to have that attitude will hurt people more than help people. Just that I have the truth. No, you need to have compassion as well. Now, I've I've dealt with lots of folks uh, over my years in the ministry, and I've had folks tell me that that person just told me this, but they never showed me love. They told them the truth, yes, absolutely, but there was no compassion. And, that, and that's part of our calling as pa- all Christians, as, pastor, as a pastor as well. But all Christians, we all need to be compassionate. We all need to be showing that love. I can think of Christians who have made impact in my life. They absolutely declared the truth. They loved the truth. But they did it with great passion and compassion and with love. And it made a difference in my life. And so if I know it made a difference in my life... I can make just have that same difference in someone else's life if I have that love for truth and love for compassion and be compassionate people. I'm so thankful for those individuals and I'm so thankful I've experienced that. So now I can try to make a difference in other people's lives with the help of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm certainly looking forward to sitting around the table with my family and enjoying a feast of turkey and Mountains of veggies and all the fixings for that meal. There's a massive—I mean, there is a massive pumpkin pie in my fridge. I mean, it's massive, and I've caught my kids eyeballing that thing a couple times this week. You know, I can't wait till Monday or whatever we're gonna have it. You know, and I, I look forward to it. And, and no doubt we'll enjoy an extra long nap because we'll slip into food comas after eating all that turkey. All right, so we'll look forward to it. I hope you will too. Look forward to that time with family. But let me encourage you to do an inventory. Stop. And write down even what are some things to be thankful for? What are some things? And hey, and try to get past the surface things. You know, and let's say I'm thankful for a car. I am. I would really tough long walk today if I didn't have a car to get to church. All right? But try to get past that. Try to dig a little deeper. Find some things that really impact. Maybe, maybe just have a Thanksgiving list of spiritual things. Maybe someone showed you mercy. Maybe someone's given you forgiveness. Whatever it came, Give God glory and lift up His name. And spend some time, uh, even while you're stirring that pot with veggies, just to think, hey, praise the Lord. I have food in a pot to feed my family. And those little kids, I'll never forget. Actually, last night I was thinking about it. I went to Romania with Dale Tao. And uh, I asked Dale, I said, Dale, can you remember those kids coming out of that house? He said, Pastor, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And I didn't know until last night. He actually took some pictures of those kids and, and, and me making balloon art and stuff. And their eyes were all fixed on that balloon. Like, I can't wait to get a balloon. gotta yeah, get a balloon. Just think about it. In our world, it'd be like, oh, I can't wait to get that new Xbox. Is Xbox even a thing? I don't know. I'm just using it for example. All right, but whatever the big item things, these kids were so excited for a balloon and they were covered in dirt. There was no way there was any running water in that place. The soot that was coming out of that and the walls were falling down. Hey, you're, you'll eat in peace. You'll eat in a home that has heating and maybe you need AC to kick in, whatever the case. We have so much. Thank the Lord for where he's placed you in this country, in your job, In this church, amen, wherever the Lord has you, be thankful. The family has placed you in. You might say, Pastor, you don't know all my family. They're a little touched. That's fine. Give God the glory for it anyway. He's got a plan, amen. He's got a plan. Hey, young people, thank your parents. Thank your parents for what they've done for you. They've done lots. They've worked hard. And I'm going to tell you right now, Thanksgiving dinner just doesn't happen. It takes work. His extra cost, too, and things of that nature. Be thankful. Be thankful for the sacrifice, the hard work. Don't forget it. Hey, in order for you to give thanksgiving, there has to be an act. You need to give thanks. You need to give thanks. Show them the love. Show them the respect. Thank the Lord for His great gift of salvation. And if you haven't received it, what a wonderful time to receive it. At this Thanksgiving time. He's accomplished so much in our lives, believer. Colossians 2, 7, rooted and built up in him, established in faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving, remember your blessings. Remember your blessings. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time we've had. Lord, you are so, so good to us. We have experienced bounty and prosperity here in Canada that we take for granted, that we think is normal. We expect it. And Lord, help us to have a heart to be thankful. And Lord, I pray that you help us, just not in the physical realm where we live, but let's help be thankful for the... the, the jobs you've given us, the other physical blessings, but Lord, let us be so thankful for the spiritual blessings. And there are so many. Lord, I pray you help us to be a thankful people. Help us to remember our blessings.